Good evening. Today is Wednesday, May 5th, and we are studying more about alcoholism. I'd like to welcome Tasha M., who will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope on the chapter. Tasha, thank you so much for doing service. Hi, everyone. It's it's so good to be here, and um, I thank Amy for asking me to speak. Someone asked me to speak before you, and I don't remember who it was, but then I got in contact with you. Um, and, um, I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater and, um, glad, glad that I can, I can say that. Um, and today I'm going to speak about more about alcoholism, which is an amazing chapter. I do want to quickly qualify by saying that I, I do qualify to be here from the age of seven. I remember, um, uh, just being obsessed with food. I grew up in an alcoholic home and um, it was the one place I could go that was consistent and comfortable for me. And um, I don't know honestly what I would have done without it. I was raised um, a Catholic and um, I, you know, for God for me was something up in the sky. Um, I never had a personal relationship with God uh, until actually uh, within this it was my, I should say my relationship with God has gotten significantly better over the past year. Um, and, you know, I have experience with these steps. I've been through them. Um, and with, with a loving God and a loving um, big book step study sponsor who has guided me and loved me uh, when I couldn't love myself. And I want to thank her. She's, she's here tonight and supporting me. Um, so more about alcoholism. Um, so this, this, um, chapter is, is about being insane. So, um, we admitted we were powerless over food, alcohol, um, drugs, work, uh, relationships, um, everything, uh, compulsive busyness. That's a good one. Um, we admitted we were powerless, doctor's opinion, that our lives had become unmanageable, more about alcoholism. So if we need to be restored to sanity, then we must be insane. So um, I've heard that before. Um, and, you know, any substance that we use to fill us that makes us believe the lies in our head um, is it's not the way to live our lives. Basically, in, insanity is being incomplete um, and it's lying to ourselves. When we're sane, we're whole. We can only be sane with a power greater than ourselves. Um, so that's basically uh, the gist of step one, part two, is that we are insane and incomplete because we're telling us these lies in our heads about our addictions. Um, and that's just, you know, the insanity of it. So if we go to the first page on page 30, and it talks about that we've had countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday we will control our drinking. It is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. It's an obsession. It's a lie. An obsession is a lie. It's something we tell ourselves over and over again. 
the persistence of this illusion. What's an illusion? A magician does it. Is it, is it true? Is it real? It looks real, but it's not real. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Insanity. Um, we learn we had to we had to fully concede to our animal self that we were alcoholics. This is the first step. The delusion, delusion, that's another lie we're telling ourselves. So so this they're really trying to drive home that the insanity is is us, you know, lying to ourselves. Um and then it talks about we we know that no alcoholic ever recovers. Once an addict, always an addict. Once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. Um, so, you know, we had certain intervals, usually brief, that were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I don't know if anyone can relate to that here. But oh God, all the times that I found myself desperate, just desperate, you know, crying out, you know, what do I do? I can't believe I did this again. And it's the crux of the problem is, is the mental obsession. Um, you know, of course, it's the allergy of the body, but it starts with that, that strange mental twist, that little voice in our head that says, maybe I can have just one. Um, what I realized uh, in this program is that one isn't enough. Um, you know, one one is too many, and and a hundred isn't enough. Um, it's never enough for us. I have a disease that constantly wants more of everything. If one is good, two is better. If two is better, if two is good, ten is better. Um, so um, it it just keeps going on to say we can never make you know, a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Um, and then page 31, second paragraph, by every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore are non-alcoholic. So we're constantly trying to convince ourselves that we aren't alcoholics. Here are some of the methods we have used. You know, we've, uh, we've binged, we've restricted. We've eaten food out of the trash. We've hidden to eat. We've stole food. We stole money to 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 buy food. Um, you know, for me, it was different diets, fasting, Weight Watchers, compulsively exercising, taking like um, like medicate, like taking energy drinks so I could, you know, just run six miles after not running for years like crazy, you know, I ate that whole pie. So let me just run now for six miles. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. Um, so I've talked about all the different ways. Um, and then it talks about on page 32, second paragraph, but the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. So, you know, we, it's like we just continue this behavior and then there's, there's no way um, we can turn back. So it, it talks about, um, so we first have the man in his thirties. Uh, he stayed sober for years. Um, I was, there was a point where I was abstinent for six years, but you know, I wasn't recovered. So I went back to the food <clears throat> six years. Yeah. So <laughs> That didn't, that did look crazy. That was crazy. I mean, I was crazy anyway, but, um, 
So he was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was nervous in the morning. Once he started, he couldn't stop. He made up his mind. He said, I'm just, I'm just going to quit. Um, you know, and, and he didn't drink. He didn't drink for 25 years. He retired. So I don't know. I wonder, I always wonder how those 25 years were for him. That's kind of, um, that would be interesting to know. Um, but then he fell victim to the belief that, that he didn't have a problem anymore. So, you know, he puts on his carpet slippers, he starts drinking, he's done in four years. So it just goes to show you how insane um, the thinking is. Um, and again, it says on page 33, second paragraph, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Um, if we're planning to stop drinking, eating, there must be no reservation of any kind or lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol. We can't, you know, there's no way we can, we can believe that. Um, and in the next paragraph, it says, you know, um, we have this peculiar, peculiar mental twist already acquired, um, which will finally, finally win out. Um, and then the next paragraph, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take quantity some of us have. I will tell you, my highest weight was 150. Um, my goal weight was 125. I went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I was so insane in my head. I mean, food ruled my life. I, I remember like... Um, I was just, I was just completely obsessed. I felt horrible in my own body, no matter how thin I got. I didn't, I just felt, I, I didn't, I felt like I was fat, you know, no matter how um, thin I was. And it was all in my head and I was of no service to anyone. I was, I was just not present. I was, I was not there. I was never in the moment. Um, so <clears throat> Okay. And then the next paragraph, it, they're really trying to drive home, you know, if you are an alcoholic, the first paragraph, if anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. So, um, you know, so they're just telling them, go out and try this. You know, we have to convince ourselves that we're ready, that we're real um, compulsive overeaters. Um, and then on the next paragraph, it talks about, we are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. I, I lost the power to choose. Um, people will say to me, what, you know, what do you do? You like follow a prescribed food plan and, you know, I don't understand, you know, you're so, you're thin, like what, what is it? And I, I explain like, it's in my head, you know, like someone can be overweight and not have this disease. Like I know people that are overweight, but they just eat a cookie and then forget about it like or leave half of a dessert like what like I just you know um so anyway then it goes on um to speak about uh Jim so um I just made a couple notes here 
So, um, okay, so, so Jim here, he, I mean, he seems to be doing good. He's got a charming wife, a family. He has an automobile agency. Um, everybody likes him. He's smart. Um, he did, he didn't drink until he was 35, but in a few years, he was so violent when intoxicated, he had to be committed. So then he, he left the asylum and he contacted them. He told them that they told him what they knew. We told them what we knew about alcoholism and the answer we had found. So they reviewed um, one, two, and three with him. He made the beginning. Um, his family was reassembled. He began to work as a salesman for a business he once owned. Um, but he forgot to enlarge his spiritual life. So he didn't do, it doesn't seem like he do four through, uh, four through 12 because you gotta, you gotta get to four. Um, you know, four through 12 to kind of see, have that spiritual awakening, like three, three, we start to have it um, and going through the rest kind of just uh, solidifies it. And then practicing 10, 11 and 12 on a daily basis um, is keeps us there. Um, so he, he didn't enlarge his spiritual life. Um, and he found himself drunk half a dozen times. So, um, you know, it's important, obviously, that we, um, we continue improving our spiritual life. Um, it talks about um, that he, he got drunk again. And then he tells this story that he was, you know, he went to work on a Tuesday morning. There's kind of questions about what happened to Monday. Um, he felt irritated. Um, and he had a few words with the boss. Now you could see that he's just kind of going through his day. He, he stops, he has a sandwich and then he has another sandwich. So I'm like, why is he having two sandwiches? Like, is he a compulsive overeater? But who knows? Um, and then he, but then suddenly the thought crossed my mind um, that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. So I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I can relate to it. It's like suddenly a thought comes in. Well, maybe I can just have one. Um, you know, maybe I can, um, you know, combine some ingredients so it doesn't taste so much like sugar and I can get away with it. Um, so basically this gets him, you know, one more journey to the asylum, intense mental and physical suffering which dr the drink always caused him. Um, he had much knowledge about himself, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. So um, there's irrationality here, extreme foolishness. Um, we have the need to put the food down, but Five we have this minutes. mental obsession. Thank you. We have this mental obsession. So it talks about our sound, our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. Um, and then at the jaywalker, man, that is who that, the, you know, this guy keeps running out in front of cars and buses and breaking his back. And um, he just, and you think it's insane, but that that's what we do. That's what we're doing. We're ruining ourselves. Um, 
so but we will it says on 39 we will absolutely be unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge this is the point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize and to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience and then they talk about fred he's a partner and a and a um and a firm, good income. Um, you know, they introduce him, start introducing him to the steps. Um, he seems interested, uh, but he's a long way from admitting that he couldn't do anything about it himself. So of course, you know, he drinks again, he goes in the dining room and says, you know, um, goes to the threshold of the dining room, thinks a cocktail might be a good idea. And then he's off and running. Um, so, um, so the page 42, um, the last paragraph or second to last, then they outline the spiritual answers and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had been a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action was pretty drastic. So, you know, it's, it's, simple but it's not easy um and then the last sentence on that page quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all our problems um and it talks about i have been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and i hope more useful than the life i've lived before um i would not exchange the best moments for the worst i have now i would wouldn't go back even if i could and that's the way i feel now um on my worst days. Um, and the last thing, you know, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength. This is, I think, the most important summary in this chapter, except in a few real rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can, can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So therein is the solution. We go to we agnostics after that and discuss about, you know, our prejudices against religion and God. And um, and then we're able to, you know, if we can connect with the higher power, work the steps, um, then then we're good. And that's it. I feel like I talk so fast. It's a it's a long chapter. <laughs> That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you so much for your service, for taking us through. Oh, okay. Thank you. That was wonderful. Um, uh, we will now open the meeting for questions for the speaker or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask Tasha a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and I will call the raised hands in order. Um, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Thank you so much. Let me get the... Mm -hmm. Participants, let's Victoria. I see your hands. Would you like to uh, unmute? Thank you. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for that wonderful share, and thank you for everybody who's doing service. Um, I'm Victoria. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, 
I am just so grateful. If I know, I don't know a lot of you um, that well here, but people who know me in my home group, I'm never speechless. So this is very touching um, to me. And um, I'm never one of those people that cries, but I really, I, I was having a very tough day yesterday, a tough week. I felt very, very spiritually poor when I did my review last night and then was kind of beating myself up about it. And, and, you know, this just brings me back to the beginning that it's not, you know, I'm, I'm powerless over food, but it's not, it's not just my food that's unmanageable. It's my life that's unmanageable. Um, and keeping that in mind is so important. I thought it was the, I knew I was like, yeah, okay. I, I cannot manage my food. I, I am on board with that, but to really go deeper into this chapter and see the second part of step one, like you said, Tasha, I just loved it. Um, and then I relate to the jaywalker so much because, um, it's the craziest story to me. You know, when I read of the four, it's the one that sounded the craziest to me, but it was the one that identified with so much. Um, I, um, I'm diabetic and I, right before entering program, I was manipulating my insulin, um, to basically overdosing it so that I could eat more and more and more. Um, I'm a healthcare worker and I went to the ER with my badge and my jacket on at the hospital I work with thinking, oh, they'll take, they'll know I'm not crazy. If I go with my badge on, guess what? They thought I was like reeking insane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause I, cause I am, cause I am insane and I need a power greater than myself to be restored to sanity. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just one, one story, but I was, you know, I was eating myself blind overnight. You know, I would wake up and not be able to see, I mean, it was just crazy. And now when I think about yesterday was not super fun, but nobody promised me a fun life. A hundred percent of the time, um, I was promised a solution and a way to live life on life's terms, a way to access a power to navigate this life that's unmanageable. And when I think about those tough times, was that way better than the best days I thought I had before? Absolutely. And so hearing those words at the end of this chapter as well, just thank you so much for everybody and for listening. I just wanted to pop in and share that. Thank you so much. Um,